Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, the CEO of OptiMatchOm.app, and so grateful to have you with us again for another episode as we delve deeply into consciousness. And today's episode, we're going to be diving into the idea of the consciousness of our purpose with Reverend Julie Murray. She is the author of What's Your What? How to Ignite Your Unique Brand. She is an accomplished speaker, personal coach, and holds degrees in a wide range of healing modalities, including psychology and neurolinguistic programming. Julie's work has been featured on the Lifetime television channel, and she enjoys working with clients from diverse backgrounds, including Fortune 500 executives, Academy Award winners, and several New York Times bestselling authors. Julie is also an Agape International Spiritual Center speaker and was a member of the Executive Leadership Board. She was knighted by the Order of Orthodox Knights of St. Russian Grand Priory alongside Jack Canfield, Don Miguel Ruiz, and Michael Beckwith. Her recently published TEDx is also available for online viewing. Julie, it's so great to have you here and to bump into you a few weeks ago at Agape. <laughs> yes, I, it brought such a smile to my face to see you at the Agape International Spiritual Center. I felt so happy. And then I got really happy when I heard that you'd moved to Portugal. Yes. And as wow, the quality of life, it just lit me up. So I'm thrilled to be with you. Oh, thank you, Julia. Yeah, we've had the pleasure of knowing each other. My God, I think I've been studying at Agape almost two decades, and I'm sure you've been there almost since its inception. About about two decades. I mean, about the same as you, actually. Wow. It's always <laughs> such a pleasure to see you and see the Rev. So tell us, Julie, for those who are not familiar with your work and that of Agape and all of your speaking that you do, talk to us a little bit about what's your what? How does that tie into the consciousness of our purpose? I like that. What's your what? That's the title of my book. Huh? Love it. A beautiful photo of you on the book. For those of you not watching on YouTube, you'll have to check it out on the YouTube channel. Yeah. So I think that I am somebody that was generally good at a lot of things, but never knew like what my thing was. And I even remember in high school, they give out like awards and I got best all round. And while I guess that would be like a compliment to me, it was like, ah, because I want to be like amazing in one targeted area. And so it, it really sent me on this really lifelong journey to keep clarifying what is my thing and what's the difference between passion and purpose and how do they intertwine? And when I started writing What's Your What years ago, it was really a, a guidebook for myself. Who am I? How am I meant to contribute? And then when I linked in with the Agape International Spiritual Center, founded and directed by Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, that's when things started to really come together. And I started to intertwine passion because I definitely feel a lot of passion when I'm at Agape. I feel like I'm in my tribe. And, and I started discovering more and more my purpose and so that's when I started writing that book, I was finding all these little tools and skills that I'd acquired along the way, like how to rig my environment 
so that it's self-inspiring. Having different music or images or pictures that kind of remind me of who I am. And, and that journey continues. I just got back from Washington, D.C. I spent the last five days with the King family and Michael Bernard Beckwith for the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about what's your what and people knowing their purpose. There was meeting after meeting, event after event, speaker after speaker, and everybody's doing their thing. They have these big missions, these big things they're accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And in one of the gatherings, Martin Luther King III, the son of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he quoted his dad and something that his dad used to say is, be ashamed to die until you've won a victory for humanity. Well, what? Be ashamed yes, to die <laughs> until you've won a victory for humanity. And I heard that and I was like, oh man, what's my victory for humanity going to be? And so I'm inviting those listening. That's such a worthy thing to contemplate. And it's the big and the small wins along our way. It's that moment then that I show up for my son in a way that is compassionate and inviting. It's the way we parent. It's the way we love our partners. It's the way we interact with people. And is there a bigger agenda, like a bigger way that we're meant to shine? So for me, something that has resonated for so many years is how can I up my energetic frequency so bright, so strong that the mere presence of this human being, this body that I'm living in is a healing benefit. And so that more and more, it sounds vague given the platform that I have at Agape, that's really become my intention to see how bright can I get this vessel so that the mere presence of it becomes healing and helps us get back to center on who we are. I find that so inspiring, Julie. And what it reminds me of is about five years ago, I was at a Rosh Hashanah celebration. I know the Rev actually spoke at a Rosh Hashanah a couple of years ago. I think it was another one that he was at. And it was with the Kabbalah Center. And I will always remember this particular story that ties into what you're saying, Julie. May I share it with you? Yeah, please. I think you'll appreciate it, given your desire to be a luminous being who fulfills her purpose and impacts humanity, as Dr. King's family so beautifully shared. So Michael Berg, the head of the Kabbalah Center, shares Michael, so many great Michaels who are head of spiritual centers, I just realized that. Michael Berg shared this story about several hundred years ago, there were these sages, and their only job, Julie, was to travel the world and draw the greatest wisdom and to share it with the masses. So fast forward, here these sages are, and they're walking through this remote village that they'll probably ever only get to one time. They arrive in the village, Julie, and they notice something very unique. There was a little bit of a strange light long before electricity was round emanating out of this tavern. So go in, and they peek in, and they see there is a man sitting over his midday soup, but he's glowing. To your point, it's just like he was luminous. And so they go up to him, and they said, beg your pardon, sir. You know, we are sages, and it is our job to draw the wisdom of the world, and we couldn't help but notice that you seem to be glowing. <laughs> and the man is a very <laughs> humble guy, and he puts his head down and says, mm, I'm so sorry, you have the wrong person. I'm just a humble man. I'm nothing special. I wish you gentlemen a safe sojourn. So the sages are like, we're not normally mistaken, but okay. So fast forward, the sages are in the village another day or so. 
And they come back by another day and there's even more light coming off of this man emanating off of him. And they go up to his table again. They said, please beg our pardon, sir, but we're about to leave tomorrow. And you really have something special. Did you give any thought to our inquiry? And the man reflects and he says, I thought about it. I try to be a good father. I try to be a good husband and a good friend. I don't think I'm that special, gentlemen. I wish you a safe travel. So the men are just so crestfallen and sad. It's the final day. They're leaving the village. They have to pass by this tavern. And they're sitting by the window, Julie, is this man who has light is emanating right out of the window. And they, as they're passing by, they just one more try will go. And they said, sir, please, we are leaving. We may never come to this village once more. Is there anything you do, anything at all, please share it with us that might make you special? The man reflects for a moment and he says, I do pray, but I think a lot of people pray and are God-fearing. And so I don't think that makes me special. So I wish the gentleman a safe journey. And they turn around to leave and he puts up his finger as they do. He says, and they're back at the table, wrapping and he says, when they're yes, there is this one thing I do that not everyone does. May I share it with you? Yes. (laughs) And he says, every night before I go to bed, I say, God, if you know that tomorrow I will reveal the light you intend me to reveal, please wake me. However, if you know that tomorrow I will not reveal the light you intend me to reveal, please don't wake me. Wow. And honestly, yeah. really, I remember that story. There's moments in your life that light up your life. And that was one of those moments for me. And it just really rung true as you shared that story that when I have the courage to say that prayer, which I have only said it less than a hundred times, probably since I heard that four or five years ago, when I have said that prayer though, I wake up and it's like the world is suffused with the most beautiful opportunities to reveal light in my life or the life of others. So I think that's all of our purpose, right? Is how can we all reveal more of that light? Yeah. And I wanted to touch on something with that because I know that when I have stuff going on in my life, it's really hard, like challenges or concerns. It's hard to get to that peak brightness. And I have a very strong spiritual practice and it's also grounded with some good psychology practices Mm. I want to offer up because I think for me, I spent the last five years getting certified in neuroemotional technologies and it was eye-opening. I started it because I wanted to have better communication with my son. So I thought it was for him. (laughs) And immediately I realized, oh man, this is game-changing for myself. So the premise of it, to put it in a real nutshell, is that we have three major brain states. We've got survival brain, emotional brain, and our clear-thinking executive brain. The goal is always to be in the clear-thinking executive brain. That's where we have creativity. That's where we have flow. That's where our light is the brightest. But in order to get there, we've got to make sure the survival brain is soothed. And the whole world was pretty much functioning in survival brain these last couple of years. When you see all the fear flashing on the screen. And the tricky thing about survival brain is it often masquerades as our clear thinking executive brain. If I'm feeling jealous or something and it's two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, I should go stop by my ex-boyfriend's house and just say hello. That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. 
that survival brain freaking out. That's not a clear thinking state. And I'm married. That was a weird <laughs> metaphor to give. But you get the gist of it. It's like when you get these this impulse, oh, I should, because there's urgency connected to survival brain. So some really simple things to do to first soothe the survival brain and regulate the emotional brain so that we can get to that clear thinking, bright energy flow, creative state is for survival brain, and this is something that's beneficial to anyone at any moment. So if what, whatever you're doing right now as you're listening to this, one thing is a regulating breath where you breathe in swift through the nose and exhale slow, slow out through slightly parted lips. Is it okay if we do a couple of these? Yeah, I love it. I'm doing it with you. I love this. Please. Okay. <laughs> this is helpful so for all of us. <laughs> yeah. So breathing in swift through the nose. Exhale slow through slightly parted lips and maybe let a little sound rumble out from the bottom of the belly. So it's, and that sound breaks up any kind of coagulated thought forms or energy that gets stuck in the body. So it begins to release. It begins to let our body soothe. Another thing we can do is you take one hand to the top of the opposite shoulder and run it down the full length of the arm. And you do this for about 30 seconds and it actually releases oxytocin, the happy mm -hmm. hormone. It sends a message to our nervous system like, I got you. Everything's going to be okay. So even in, when you're in challenging situations, and I do this regularly, when I start to freak out about something, just that touch lets our nervous system know, I got you. You're okay. Everything's going to be all right. So there are a couple of very simple things we can do to get back to center. And then once the survival brain is soothed, then we're able to move on to the emotional brain and help that regulate. And the key to it, Dr. Dan Siegel said, felt feelings flow on. So when we take the time to acknowledge a feeling, you don't have to fix it. You can't fix a feeling. It just is. So by just acknowledging it, lets, it sends a message to our central nervous system, I'm being paid attention to. So it doesn't have to clinch and hold it. So I'm inviting anybody listening right now to just do an inventory. No, notice what are the feelings that you are currently feeling in this exact moment. And we have a Niagara fall of emotions at any given moment. So it's okay, I feel calm, I feel peaceful. I feel, and you can just list them off. There could be agitation or nervousness or sadness, or and we can have all of them at the same time. We can have lots of them. Acknowledging them helps them move on. And that's when we pop into that clear thinking executive mode. And so that's where we move into seeing like, how bright can I get my light? I do a lot of Qigong practice. That's a big part of my practice right now <clears throat> in passion. So I just wanted to make it clear because I know some anybody else that might be listening, sometimes for myself, it, it's hard for me to jump straight to like enlightenment and happy all the time. I got to move through some steps first to make sure that I am mentally and psychologically well-regulated and emotionally well-ventilated. And sometimes that can include a lot of cardio. If I'm really stressed out or anxious, sitting to meditate won't work. So like a brisk walk, will get me grounded quicker. You know, it'll help me like burn off some of that excess tension or stresses. But I think that's a helpful and important additional aspect to getting clear about what our what is, because there's no way I'm going to know what my what is if I'm in survival state or if I'm like emotionally not regulated. 
Does that make sense? Yes, it, it makes very good sense, Julie. And I love this. And for any of you listening out there, I'll share a tip I was sharing with the CEO I work with yesterday. And that tip is to write down whether you really resonated with something Julia just said, or you have your favorite practices, going for a walk, running, doing the breathing, doing the touching exercise to calm our nervous system. I encourage us all to either write it on our smartphone or on a piece of paper. So that way you almost have it as an emergency thing that when you're in that, oh my God, the world is falling, you have that readily available because sometimes I don't know if you've noticed this for yourself, Julie, but I know our animalistic brain, when we go into that amygdala, we actually lose our connection to the prefrontal cortex, as you mentioned, which means sometimes we can even forget. I know when I've been there, if you get really angry, very sad, something traumatic happens, you almost forget that you have these beautiful tools that Julie just shared with us. So I like to keep 20 or 30 of my favorite ones written down on my phone. So that way I at least have the wherewithal to go, oh, what's my emergency self-soothe list? That's like genius. I have a little sticky note on my mirror on the other side of my office. And it is so true because when you're in the thing, you're not thinking about, oh, my regulating breath. So that's why having the sticky note is great or writing it down on the phone, wherever that's Yes. And yes. <laughs> Another funny thing that I remember I learned, did you ever try heart math, Julie? Have you ever tried that? Do you know it? Yes. Oh, I, I heart heart math. Love to everybody out there in the heart math community. I remember I was in a course with them one time and somebody in the course suggested such a great idea. They said, heart focused breathing is very similar to what you were suggesting of the quick breath in and the slow auditory breath out. And it's hard to remember sometimes. So what they suggested is every time you walk through a door, drop into that style breath to create a practice of it or whatever it is every yeah. time you walk out of the house. But having these little mnemonics, whatever it is to help support yourself, because at the end of the day, you might have a family, you might be married or single or have friends, but at the end of the day, we're the only ones who can provide for ourselves what we need in a moment of stress or panic. That's why one of the things that, and it's funny because I wrote all of this in my book before I even really understood what it was, but I had a, a lot of exercises about rigging environment. Yes. So for example, when I was growing up, we would, we had a boat and we would go out on the water on the weekends and we would go out very early in the morning and it was sunrise and the sky was a very watercolor light blue. And I would sit at the front of the boat with the wind whipping my face and I felt freedom and power and energy. And then I have a number of other experiences throughout the course of my life when a, a similar kind of skyline, when I felt that kind of rush of power and energy and freedom and beauty. And so I keep a picture of that color skyline in my office. So every day that picture is anchored, not just from the childhood experience, but when I was getting my trainer of trainers in neuro-linguistic programming, I was driving down from Santa Monica to Irvine every day. And it was the same dusk sky. So that color tone is loaded with an anchored emotion of freedom and beauty and power. And my office does a lot of the work for me. I have quotes that different people that are significant in my life, Michael Beckwith, Marianne Williamson, that they've said to me, and those are around. So anything that we can do because we are infiltrated regularly through media, through social media, through news, with all kinds of messages that are dra a drag on our energetic frequency. So anything I can do to, com to combat that and outbalance it 
is a benefit. While you're listening to this, it would be what's something that's empowering that you could put in your space? Is there a color that really lights you up? I just noticed the color that I'm wearing. There's this kind of lavender cobalty color that that I feel a certain way with. I feel very embodied and strong and beautiful. And so that color is around me a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, I love it. I I love tools. I'm like a tool girl. I love tools because I think that it just helps us stay on course. And uh, remember. I completely agree. For me, I actually wear colors to help support whatever I need. And I met a color scientist woman actually recently, a couple of weeks ago in LA. And she said it validates not even just the colors, but to your point, the colors you surround yourself with. And if I have a speaking engagement typically or a show most often I'm going to wear blues or yellows because blue is that throat chakra opening energy and yellow can be related to confidence and opening up that sacral chakra area. And so sometimes too, I remember reading about this years ago, if you're feeling out of balance, like when I'm traveling a lot, I just got back from three weeks of traveling, I'll wear red to ground myself while I'm traveling, or you can eat red fruits, all sorts of things that these are all impacting our consciousness in a myriad of ways. Yes. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. I feel like the world has opened wide the more that I think about energetic frequency and how we can adjust our own energetic frequency and how that shifts uh, the experiences that we have and how it magnetizes towards us people, places, circumstances, and events also oscillating at the same frequency level. David Hawkins in Power Versus Force, he, he spoke about how love has like the highest frequency, love and gratitude are the highest energetic frequencies. So that frequency, that, that practice that people speak about of having a gratitude practice, it's actually doing something in our neurochemistry. It, become, it raises our frequency up to the level of gratitude. And so then we cannot help but magnetize towards us experiences, people, places, events, that are at that heightened energetic frequency of gratitude. So there's, if you're wanting to meet the person of your dreams, we become it. That's the job is become the person of our dreams. We want to oscillate at the frequency of what it is that we desire. And then we can't help but become an attractor field for it. That's exciting because it means we've got a lot of dominion. We have a lot of volition and say Achille Beckwith said, we have a say in what what happens in our world, right? We have a say in this world. And even Thomas Paine, he was one of the founding fathers of the United States of America and a major political activist. And he said, we have the power to begin the world over. I find that very exciting. We can, there's so much we can accomplish and it comes with tending to ourselves first and that shifts the universe around us. Yes, we are what we're looking for. In fact, it was at Agape, one of my favorite talks I ever heard. Michael, there's another one from Michael and Martin Luther King, but this is one of my second favorite ones was Ishmael Tete was there speaking. Yes. Must have been 15 years ago. You were probably even there for this talk. And so Ishmael Tete shares a story of glasses. And he says, it's like every day when we set our feet on the floor and we wake up from bed, we put on a pair of lenses to see the day through that we might not even be conscious. Most of us are unconscious that we've even put on this lens. And that lens, if left up to our own devices and left to the animalistic amygdala brain, often the lens that we perceive the whole world through is fear-colored glasses, doubt-colored glasses, 
And on the flip side, if we actively choose the lens we want to see the world through appreciation colored glasses, love colored glasses, the world shows up that way. And in fact, a couple months ago, Bruce Lipton joined us for a show and he gave an actual scientific example of it. He said, I once had people sitting in a room and I gave half the students green colored glasses and half the students red colored glasses at a lecture. And then I put an image up on the screen and I said, I want you to shout out what's the image on the screen, love or fear? And half are yelling out love and half are yelling out fear. And Bruce told them to switch glasses. And then they all saw that one set of glasses revealed a love image while another set of glasses revealed a fear image. And I think it's such a beautiful metaphor for life and what you were just sharing. It, it is. And that goes back to what I was talking about with the survival brain. When I'm in survival brain, everything is that red fear thing. So there's something, those are tools and I can put more of them up on my social media. There is a whole list of them, but those are the kind of tools that help us see the world as we desire it to be in a positive light. That's very exciting to me. I didn't know that before. I was just, I spent a lot of time being led by fear and anxiety and stress and to know that we have dominion and we have power over shifting our own state without even curing, and that's in quotes, the situation. We have a lot of ability that doesn't depend on changing external situations. That's like Nelson Mandela sitting in a jail for 27 years. It's like we have something that we can do that's, that actually works. And that I find extremely exciting. And only then are we able to really get clear about what our purpose is. What is your what? And so I'm, I come back from DC. I literally just got back hopeful for humanity because I'm more aware than ever that as Achille Beckwith said, like we have a say. We have a say. We're not on. We're not victims to anything that's happening in the world, and that is. There's a responsibility to that, and it's also exciting to me. Yeah, I think that you have so many pearls of wisdom to share with us. We have Reverend Julie Murray joining us today, and it's an amazing author, speaker, coach, and with Agape International Spiritual Center. Reverend Julie, is there any last tip, anything I didn't get to ask you, maybe one of your other favorite tools that you'd love to leave our listeners with today? You know, it's actually from your website. It's the, I saw this and I got very excited from the OM website. It says in every culture and in every medical tradition before ours, healing was accomplished by moving energy. That's mm -hmm. Albert St. Gorgi. And, and so that is a reiteration of everything we've been talking about, that we have a say in our physical health. And we have a say in the health of Mother Earth, and we have a say in humanity and the trajectory of humanity. And I guess my parting word is that there's a responsibility to that. And I am more committed and encouraged than ever to really honor that responsibility and show up. And I do that by seeing how bright I can get myself energetically. And, and it trickles out. It starts with the nucleus, starts with our family, our friends. And it has ripple effects that extend to the farthest stars. And if you are challenged by that, I think that's very beautiful, Julie. And one thing I want to add and piggyback the little cherry on top of what Julie just shared is find committed listeners. You might be at a transitional place in your life. I know I certainly was when I found Agape in my early 20s. And sometimes the friends you have, the family, the people around you, your colleagues might not be a calling for you. They might... It might 
cause you pain or suffering. And so sometimes it helps to have one, two, four, five committed listeners in your life who you tell them who you're committed to being. You tell them what you're up to, like Julie's sharing so brilliantly with us today of her light she intends to shine in the world and embody that. And to have people who listen for that in your life. I have a friend like that for me. I have my husband. I have many friends like that. And I actually invited one of my dearest friends for over a decade. And I said, hey, Jay, do you want to be committed listeners for each other? So every day, every weekday, Monday through Friday, for 15 minutes, we support and uplift each other with our visions. And we have permission to call each other, call BS on each other. If we say, I'm really committed to this, and we hear hesitation in one another's voice, then we hold the space to work through it. And so I wish that for each and every one of you. I wish that every one of us has one or more people who helps hold us to the highest standard of our soul and our capacity to share light in the world. So Reverend Julie, where can people connect with you if they want to connect with you more? And we'll, of course, include it in the show notes as well. So on Instagram at Rev Julie Moret, M-O-R-E-T, that's probably the best way. I also have a website at juliemoret.com. Yes. Thank you so much. So Julie Moret has been here with us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. And I am Jennifer Cahill, and it is my honor, my privilege to get to spend each one of these half-hour hours with you as we all delve into consciousness and explore the infinite possibilities of being that we all have at our core. Wishing you a week filled with luminosity, joy, and your heart's deepest desires being fulfilled. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.